everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. To the... Thursday edition of The Drive. Another beautiful day. Man, we have had some great weather lately. It is it is warming up a little bit, though, every day. And will continue for a while. But, uh, yeah, just a, a beautiful day here in the Auburn area. Hope everybody doing well and welcome in to The Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. We've got Brady at the controls today. So, you know, one day of me running the... Uh, me running the board, and they went. That's enough. Uh, no, no, we're we're. I, what it wasn't that wasn't that uh, big of a problem yesterday. But I am glad that uh, somebody else is at the controls here in the Wow Business Studio. And of course, you can get the speed you need when you switch to Wow. Details at WowForBusiness.com. I like seeing our guy here uh, succeed, Brady, because he's uh, remember he's 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 an alum of the I know of the taping program. He's, well, I, he's 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 still there, just as you are. That's sure, but I mean, well, you know, it's easy to get into. A and tough product to, of it's, it's like easy yeah. to get into and tough to get out of is, is uh, how I is how I describe it to people. Well, I mean, as long as you're around and you're and you're willing to work a little bit, I I'll I'll be glad to uh, schedule some hours for you. That's right. Yeah, the way, the that's, way, that's my attitude. It's the, the way it should be, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, hour number one of the drive is brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And also uh, the sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome in guests when they can't be with us in person here in the Wild Business Studio. And, of course, you, our listeners, we welcome you to call in at 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the drive text box. Someone will see those text messages Eventually, when when Drew is that's uh, what we've been told. When Drew is unsequestered, we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to to, to get uh, to see those those text messages. But you can text the uh, show five six four three three four five six four eighteen forty on the drive text box. That's presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Hi, right, with that all taken care of, welcome in everybody. Um, we will talk anything that you would like sports wise. We have Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here with us in the studio. And we'll get his thoughts on so many different things Auburn related. Justin, it is a, it continues to be a busy time. There's a lot, it may not be a lot of, um, lot, well, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of information, may not always be news. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, there, there's, there's plenty of stuff going on regarding Auburn athletics. Absolutely. And the big one uh, today, Brandon Huntley Hatfield uh, is on, on campus for his visit for the next couple of days. Uh, that's a big one because Auburn trying to, I think, run the Walker Kessler playbook again and go to a five star that they liked coming out of high school who went somewhere else, didn't get a ton of playing time and say, Hey, if you hit the portal, 
maybe we can make it work here. Um, and uh, I, I think that's what they're trying to do with uh, with Huntley Hatfield. And he, one of the guys that I think is uh, a really good there's a really good chance he could join Auburn's roster and, and Janai Broom as well, who is going to be at Florida this weekend. It sounds like it's going to be down between Auburn and Florida for him, but we'll see what he does for that. A lot of movement going on. It, it was, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Janai uh, is, is from the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, originally, before he uh, before he went up to uh, to Moorhead State. Go ahead, Dan. Well, it would be a great problem to have. I would wonder if you get Broom and Huntley Hatfield and Traore and Jalen Williams all in the fold, if all four of them would be enthused about their roles, you know, between now and the start of the season. I, we've seen, was it last year, who was the uh, who was the guard that, that backed out because someone else committed? Like, we've seen that sort of, we've seen domino Desi effects. Sills? Trey Alexander. Trey Alexander. Oh, yeah. yeah Trey Alexander's yeah, yeah. the one who backed out because of the That's Desi right. Sills Desi, Desi, Desi didn't get in. I, I, right. the, only, the only thing I would, and it's, look, it's a great problem to have if you land both Brandon Huntley Hatfield and well, Janai Broom. That, that's what I wanted to get. That's what I wanted to get into to, um, to with with Justin. Justin, I all the all the um, inside type players or the the six eight and above players mm-hmm. that Auburn's in on right now. What is your feeling? Because I've sort of got a a feeling that they want more of a post and then a big wing. Yeah, that would that would not usually entail getting both. Janai Broom and and either Brandon Huntley Hatfield or probably uh, is your wings and your guards. You really don't have anybody right now that you're like super super in on just because. Well, there's still a what, lot of what is uh, Julian? What is Julian Phillips though? A lot of momentum elsewhere with him. Not as much with Auburn. I'm right. sure Auburn's well, he's going to be in mix. Monday. Yeah, he's going to still be in the mix. So we'll see if Auburn can 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 kind of make out. That would be huge. I think I would be surprised if they got Huntley Hatfield and Broom. Yeah, that's that's what that's that was. But the my fact that they're thinking, going after but, both of them is like right. pretty telling. I think. I think they also know that neither, like especially Broom, is not a, a slam dunk guarantee. He's going mm-hmm. down to Florida. Wow, I think Florida. Just personally, I, I him <laughs> seeing how he could play with Colin Castleton, it's just like that's not a very modern front court at this point um, because neither of those guys would be able to stretch the floor uh, very much. Right. It'd be interesting to see. I think Auburn is kind of a better fit for him in that regard, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think that they probably land one of them. If they land both of them, then, you, then you're talking about next season, you're four and you're five, you have so many guys. You, you've got three guys... Four guys, four, I guess, yeah. that would really be fives that you that, that you don't see as much as fours because you uh-huh. expect those guys to be able to take it out a little bit and 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 shoot more from the perimeter. Yeah, I don't mean I don't mean to be a rain cloud. They're saying there could be attrition. I just wonder if you know how, well, I, how I you can't imagine a lot you of, having four a lot, a lot centers, of, a lot of mouths to feed in the, in that in that situation. If you were to if you were to somehow get both of them, and we're talking about two guys, neither of whom have committed to Auburn. Absolutely, yet, so, right? So, now that's yeah. When we talk about the problem that you may have if you get both of them, let's talk a little bit um, for folks who maybe didn't watch a ton of Tennessee basketball. Yeah. What can you tell people about Brandon Huntley? You had to watch a lot of it to see him because he didn't play that yeah, much. Pick, pick things up a he little bit. He played yeah. about 15 to 20 minutes a night towards the end of the toward year. Toward the end. Beginning, though, yeah, he, he only was averaged not, about 10. Yeah. He uh, he was a guy that came on kind of late in the year for him, but it was kind of a situation similar, like I said, with what Walker Kessler ha- had at North Carolina. Uh, two seasons ago, where it's like you have all these experienced guys ahead of you in the rotation, even though you're a five star, even though you're a guy that people think is going to be a key piece moving forward, you know, 
you're still probably third, fourth in the rotation uh, up front. But, yeah, he's a, he's a really good, super physical big man. He's got exactly what you want in terms of size and athleticism at the power forward spot. Um, didn't take a ton of threes at, at Tennessee, but a guy that I think you feel like could be someone who can play face up, who can drive to the basket, who can play down low. Got a decent mid-range game as well. Um, you know, and, and a pretty a pretty solid defender uh, as well. Good, good good athletic big man. I think very similar to, to what we've seen Auburn get you know, over the last few years. They're not going to get guys who are anchors down low by any means. Um, and uh, Huntley Hatfield is one of those dudes that I think just has the athleticism and the movement ability to, to do a lot. At the a true power forward, though, um, and uh, I believe – uh, you know, kind of coming out of high school, people are kind of comparing his play style to like Julius Randle or you know guys like that. Where you know you have that tr- you have that more traditional four, but still versatile and athletic enough to do a lot of different things in the modern game. And, and the he's com- a, yeah, Ju- Julius Randle is the comparison twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in I mean, profile, yeah. he's a guy that would just normally be finishing high school this year. I mean, right. he, he reclassified, so he's just I believe he's just eighteen. Yeah, right now. Ton of upside when you look at Tennessee though next season. A lot of their big guys coming back. Um, they're, the uh, the attrition at Tennessee happening more in the backcourt. Is Fulkerson back for another Fulker- year? I believe I Fulkerson's back for I another year. Um, they've got a number of those guys. Uros Plasic, I believe, is back for another year. I, I, I think they. I think they're the only guys there. They are certainly losing are Kennedy Chandler and um, there's another one. That, that, I, that I'm blanking on. I don't know if just uh, Jordan James is gone yet. We uh, had somebody ask earlier in the week about, and I guess this would address the other position Bill was talking about. He mentioned you know Auburn would like to add somebody that could provide really solid production at the a bigger four, shooter. Or, yeah, well, at the four and five, or and then and then and you also need a two slash three, yeah, yeah. You know, a perimeter. Yeah. And I mean, best case scenario, I mean, the number one player. Uh, in, in the transfer portal right now, according to just about everybody, is is Bates from Memphis, who would probably be that. I mean, he's he's a big NBA three. Um, you know, I I don't I haven't heard anything. We had somebody earlier in the week ask if if there was any momentum from no, Auburn towards him. No. Sounds I, I think he's ending up back in Big Ten country, uh, but he maybe likes the Southeast and he's going to find a different program. I forget. Other than Michigan State. There's a lot of hoopla around him and a lot of stuff. There was that thing where Memphis didn't know if he was coming back or if he was going to play at any point. More than anyone anyone else who's gone into the portal, too, he strikes me as somebody who may decide, maybe it's not the NBA draft, but I don't want to play college basketball anymore. And I want to just, you know, whether it's the G League, you know, Ignite, or we're not hearing that much about, you know, the G League Ignite this this recruiting cycle. But, I mean, that compared to... Years where like the top players were were courting, right. you know, the offers from from that from that avenue. Uh, but no, I would think that maybe that's a that that's a possibility for, for Bates to to spend a year, you know, in the in the professional, the you know the professional yeah, options. Yeah, could that, play overseas as well. Yeah, the professional to, options yeah. allow you to retain your draft eligibility and go into the twenty twenty three NBA draft. You know, maybe with some of that that shine restored. Uh, you know, for a guy who people thought was going to be the the number one pick at some point in his oh, life. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, well, this summer, right? I when mean, he th- was, there, there was a time nine months ago oh. when, when he was, he was thought of as go back a year or yeah. two when he was talked about as the best, potentially the best high school prospects since LeBron. And then things kind of cooled off towards the end of his high school career. And then of course it didn't really pan out at Memphis. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You just, there's so many different avenues and so much movement. Obviously, uh, Kentucky fi- finding that out today with uh, the Shaden Sharp uh, uh, situation finally coming to an end. It's just, 
yeah, I, I would imagine Auburn's going to get somebody who is that two or a three, give you some more shooting, give you some more size. Uh, but you also got to keep in mind through this through this process because it has been a while, um, you know, since he's been in the spotlight. I guess is that you do have Chance Westry. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Chance Westry is, is the he a fifth. shooter? He's, he, he seems to be a he's a scorer, but I, yeah, I, I he's going to probably be a, that two shooter, two slash three type of type of role. Um, you know, a guy that I think can have a lot of similarities early on in his career to like an Alan Flanagan. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how his jump shot you know develops over time. Um, yeah, the other thing to keep in mind with with transfers is like you can go all in for a guy who's a shooter, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate here. I mean, uh, Katie Johnson and Wendell Green had excellent three point shooting numbers last season at their respective schools, and Auburn not as much. So you know, it's it's one of those things where I think you 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 have the talent, but you know. I, I think size is just the bigger thing more than anything for that backcourt it's, they need help it's with. It's a little bit like when we talk about Auburn's wide receivers. Some of it is going to need to come from – some of the improvements going to need to come from within. Like if Auburn's oh, going sure. to yeah, yeah, yeah. shoot, shoot better in 2022, 2023 than they did this past year, yep. part of it's going to entail players oh, – a lot of it better. It's going better to entail – from what's already here. Exactly. Guys yeah. like Zepp and Katie and Wendell are going to have to shoot at a higher and percentage. And, and Alan Flanagan are going to have to shoot at a higher percentage than they did this past season. Um, some of it can come – you know, some of that aid can come from outside. I mean, there's yeah. you know, there's an, an, enough options out there. But, you know, it's like we talk about – well, Auburn would love to add a number one receiver in the transfer portal. It's like, yeah, but – you, you probably need some of the guys on the team right now yep. to play like It's going to be a yeah, total like team starters. effort. There, there is no magic bullet in the transfer portal in football or in basketball. You've, you you know, For some of these issues, you just have to get better. Well, there may be, but there may only be one, and everybody and, in the country wants know, and, that and, and one. Getting, and getting back to Bates, you know, I understand how attractive the professional options are for a guy like him. Um, I would he's, he's, so, he's so talented that I would love to see him in like a structured big-time college basketball program. Like I, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to see him pick... You know, and not not just a blue blood necessarily, uh, but some big time program and try to restore his draft stock that way. And with, you know, some of the ways that college athletes can make money now, you know, I think there's there's probably some revenue stream available should he choose that route. I, I would just hate to see him, you know, sort of sort of, uh, sort, sort of uh, uh, fade away. You know, I, th- I think there's there's really something there, even if it's not at Auburn. You know, just just pick a pick a different big time school and and, and try again, maybe because he's 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 really really good when he when he's playing well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. We'd love for you to join in. We will continue our conversation. But uh, yeah, we uh, you you can head us in whatever direction you'd like. We'll go ahead and get to our first break. Want to let you know. Let's see a couple of um, programming item, notes. Programming notes for today's programming. What do you got? Uh, well, well, uh, our regular time with Sonny Deshara is five thirty on Wednesdays. There was a ball game yesterday, so unable to do that. We there is a possibility we could be talking live with Sonny at five thirty, but the uh, baseball practice for today started about thirty minutes ago, so uh, we we may not be able to have Sonny. But our own Riley Hubbard spent some time with Sonny earlier today, so we will at least have. A recorded interview with Sonny if we don't have the live thing at 5.30. But we've got we've got uh, a guest before 5.30. Yeah, how about this one? We hinted at it yesterday, and we, it, it's come through. 5 o'clock, we're going to be joined by 
Auburn Gymnastics coach Jeff Graba is going to call us on the phone. We're going to talk with uh, with Coach about the outstanding season that his program just had, culminating with an appearance in the national championship this past weekend. And, uh, and yeah, an eventful uh, whirlwind of a season for Auburn Gymnastics. And we're going to talk with Coach. Best at, season ever. That's right. We're going to talk with Coach about that at 5 o'clock. Don't miss that. Uh, and, and I'll be heading out. Before the end of the show, sure. Are you, are you sticking around for the interview with Coach? I uh, think, yeah, I'll, right, cool. I'll I'll do that. You and, can slip away while we're running the Riley interview. Uh, well, I, I, yeah. Well, I, I've got I've got to help out with some things as uh, as we get set up for the. I, you know what? I think weekend. it's commendable. It's it's Ripken esque that you decided to work today because you've got you've got a lot going on right now with the with the uh, 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 fellow owner in the Greystone League. Uh, Scott Cameron is getting married mm-hmm. on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. he yeah. is today. By the way, t- today's our our. My anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday, the wedding. And then Sunday, we're flying to Vegas for the NAB convention. And when we get back from that, I've got a class reunion. So, so I, I, like the <laughs> next 10 days, uh, yeah, it's like if I, you know, if you I'm going to be sort of like the yeah. coaches on the Tiger Takeover. It'll be fortunate if I know where I am, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, over the next 10 yeah, days. If you, if you want to slip away during hour number two, Justin, yeah, I, and, I, I, J- yeah. Justin and I can talk about oh, yeah. Jap- Japanese pro wrestling for, <laughs> for 20 minutes and, uh, and, and ruin the show. That's fine. Y'all can do whatever. I'll hold final be back hour. until until like for for a week. The so. forbidden door is open. Until the week. Yep. Yeah, you got it. All right, we'll get to our first break. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Now more of the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, while we've got a little bit, don't have a caller, uh, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what is, uh, what's up there, at the, uh, what you've got at the Observer right now, what's coming up. Yeah, so it's been a pretty busy week. Uh, we had a uh, story earlier uh, in the week about um, spring game. How much does spring game actually matter? How much can we take away from performances? And so what I did is I went back and dug into some of the best ones from the last decade plus and saw, okay, did this carry over into the, into this, into the season? And more often than not, a really good spring game performance usually carries over. There's some positions where it doesn't, uh, but we did that. Uh, story on Wendell Green Jr. Um, that went up uh, earlier this week, um, seemed to get a lot of traction uh, on Twitter. Uh, and then, uh, today did a, a story on, um, Derek Hall and Ekuliota. Um, interesting fact about those two guys, uh, dug into this, uh, uh, this week, those two guys uh, combined for 16 sacks last season. That is the most a pair of Auburn teammates have combined for in a single season since Nick Fairley and Antoine Carter in 2010. Wow! So I didn't realize it that. had been a minute since that Auburn mm-hmm. had multiple guys produce at that high high yeah, level the, in the sacks. Year, the year Holland and, and, had and, a strong year in 2017. I don't know if there was another player. Nope. I mean, clearly based on the numbers, D Ford, yeah. Carl Lawson. A lot of guys had good years, right. but two guys being as productive as, as those two were last season were were strong. And both of them think they they both can put. I mean, they were on the doorstep last season. Both of those guys think they can be double digit sack guys this season. So kind of what Auburn's expecting at edge. 
Also considering that the, the, the depth there is pretty much non-existent besides Dylan, Dylan Brooks, Brooks. is the depth. He is yeah. the depth. So um, just a story about him and kind of the development there. Got a mailbag tomorrow, podcast tomorrow, uh, a lot a lot of stuff going on. So auburnobserver.com, $6 a month, $60 a year, gets you uh, a subscription, and everything we do gets sent to your email inbox. We were uh, talking about basketball transfer portal guys. Auburn uh, is, is definitely – very much in the market for football transfer portals uh, players as well, uh, and I believe I believe they've got a receiver visiting this weekend. Yeah, so they've they've got uh, I think receiver and edge rusher. If you just can get people there, those are your high priorities. Now later on down the line, if you want to see some young guys um, who are like you know are still underclassmen that won't necessarily play this year, won't necessarily start this year, if you can find those dudes for the offensive line and the defensive line. I think that would be huge just to replenish the depth there. But, yeah, wide receiver and edge, that's got to be your top priorities. Pretty much everywhere else you feel a little bit more secure. Line of scrimmage, you could always use as much depth as you can. But we'll see. We'll see what Auburn does in terms of reloading because they can't replace everybody. Uh, but they still got some 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 room to, to, to add. We were talking with uh, Jason Caldwell yesterday, and, and he mentioned a couple of receivers. One we talked about that I think Dan had uh, mentioned last week when you were on, that's Ryan Peppins out of yep. Yep. out of Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, but but another one that, that uh, Jason mentioned was Jalen Robinson from uh, Central Florida who, yes. who entered the portal yesterday, and apparently Auburn, immediate, Ike Hilliard immediately – Followed him as soon as it was announced he was in the portal. Yep, that would be a big time pickup. Very productive at UCF. Um, Arizona State's top receiver just at the portal today as well. Um, don't know if there's any sort of movement there, but uh, a guy that caught I think like 45 balls last year for Arizona State was their number one guy. He's like six two two ten, like pretty good size to, uh, size on him. Um, I would just be interested if Auburn would go after a guy like him uh, as well. Would make a lot of sense. Pe- Peppins is sure. I would think. I mean, you know, guy who. Doesn't have anything, you know, kind of locked down in terms of like he just no, got he's he an, just an got in state kid. I mean, yeah, it's so it, it's it's sort of like a quicker version of what Auburn was able to get from Oregon. I mean, you, right. know, you yeah, have three yeah. in state three in state kids that go, and this is out a guy west. who just got there. Yeah, so I mean, this would be like getting a twenty twenty. He is a twenty twenty freshman. Kid. He yep. is a true freshman, but uh, uh, Auburn. I mean, Peppins wouldn't. I mean, it seems like there are receivers physically that already sort of fit the mold, but at the same time, if Auburn has a lot of scholarship, or not a lot, but several scholarships to give. Uh, and, and Especially looking, receiver. I mean, I, I think that Peppins would be you know as worthwhile a candidate as anybody that's, that's come around so far. Yeah, not an instant impact guy, but I mean, you need numbers at J- wide receiver. J- Jalen Robinson is uh, somebody who, I mean, you go back to 2020, when he was one of the conference's top receivers there at UCF, I mean that's somebody and physically a little bit different than what Auburn already has at wide receiver, right? Isn't that a guy who's no? Nah, he's five. He's five nine. He's five nine one eighty as well. But I mean, he had fifty five catches for nearly a thousand yards, and then uh, a couple of touchdown receptions in UCF spring game this the past track, Saturday. The track yeah. record would be different yeah, from the, yeah. some of the other guys. Um, right? uh, the other the other one is going to be interesting. And uh, credit Jason on this one. Uh, he, he was writing today that Auburn is hosting. Um, Gerard Means, uh, who was an, uh, a Tennessee signee, mm-hmm. transferred to Louisiana Tech and averaged about 20 yards a catch for Louisiana Tech this past year. And he's a bigger guy. Yeah. He's, he's in the 6'2", 210 type range. Uh, and he's originally, I believe he's originally out of uh, Lovejoy uh, over in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be on campus this weekend. So... 
I would be. I would that, be a that's, good. That's the guy that 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 sort of fits what we've been talking about for sure. Yeah, if you get a guy like Robinson from UCF, you know, that's a guy that you know you have a guy like Javarius Johnson there, but you know you have you can always get more. You can always get more speed. You can always get more production, right? You you'll you'll always take that. But yeah, a guy uh, like Meads, bigger dude, and then proven production at, at Louisiana Tech, which. You know, Conference USA, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. It, no. That's a conference that has produced a, a fair amount of uh, really good wide receivers, including guys who, who made it in the, in the league. And, 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 and even at Louisiana what, Tech, Trent Taylor was there for a while. And unlike what I was saying about Jalen Robinson, Gerard Means is physically yeah, a little bit different than some of the guys that are. But size-wise? And, and, and you know, it's, six, you know, it's six, interesting. What's interesting is, is you, there there's some people, there's some fans that will go, but you've got to have some bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just check the height of the quartet that Alabama had a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. I believe there was only one over six feet. But, but yeah. listen, you know, if you can, get, you can run past if, everybody, it well, doesn't matter. Well, if you matter. can get off the line of scrimmage yep. and, and then, yeah, make people, you know, make if people miss. you're out running good yeah, enough. Outrun people, yeah. make a miss, then, think, yeah, think, yeah very you're okay. Very important note here, too, is that he is listed on Louisiana Tech's website as Bub Means. That's, That's an incredible Bub, name. Bub. Bub. Okay, so he's Bub. Well, he's already an Auburn player if he's got a nickname. Bub Means is his, uh, yeah, so so I, I uh, yeah, already already a spot in my heart. This would be much there. closer to his original home. Yeah. yeah. Where's, yeah. where's Lovejoy? Is that, uh, is that there, thereabouts? It's, um, uh, I'm thinking it's like south of Atlanta. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah, I, I know I've heard of it. Clayton County. Clayton County. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. That's so, that's not. I mean, yeah. So it's a couple hours away. So that's something to uh, something to keep an eye on there. And uh, as we said, I mean, man, the transfer portal is really hopping right now uh, because players need to be in the portal by May first if they want to be eligible this fall. And uh, you know, you've got spring wrapping up just about everywhere. Uh, interesting connection here, even though he's not technically. Well, I guess the the connection is no longer here. But Lovejoy, Georgia, also the home of former uh, Colorado State wide receiver and Mike Bobo player Preston Williams, who has made a pretty good career for yeah. himself in the NFL as an undrafted guy. Um, so, so that high school that high school's produced some dudes. I knew I'd heard of it. Yep. I mean, there's no yep. question. Yeah. All right, we we're approaching our bottom of the hour break. Bill, Dan, Justin, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I uh, don't know if we have time to, to grab a call now. L- Lovejoy is about uh, 20 miles south of the airport on, uh, yeah. on, on Highway. I knew it was in the, the, oh, sort of the greater I, I, Atlanta also, area. Also, Highway Preston Williams started his career at Tennessee and went to Colorado State. So, no, so another connection. If Auburn could get a guy like him in the portal, it's a, he was, he's 6'5", 220. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll right. take that. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive.
Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, and Justin Ferguson taking your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. Let's uh, turn quickly to baseball. Jason, Jason yesterday was, oh, this Kennesaw team could be one of the more dangerous midweek teams that Auburn plays. And I understood, and I, I agreed with him. And then Auburn went out and just absolutely dominated the game last night. Um, winning 14 to 1. That's what you want to do. Take care of business. Build a little uh, confidence. Auburn's now won three straight as they get ready to host South Carolina this weekend. So uh, the Tigers, it's the midpoint of SEC play. They're 8 and 7 in the conference. They've got three of their five remaining conference series at home. So things are looking pretty good. Um, Butch Thompson, I didn't get a chance to get over there. There was a media op with Butch today at 12:30 and uh you know we had we had we had heard thought that well maybe Joseph Gonzalez moving up to the second game of the weekend because he pitched last Saturday in game 3 of that uh, uh Easter weekend series down in Starkville but um Butch saying no he's he's going to stick with the same 3 because he really likes you know Joseph's results. He's four and zero pitching the third game of series, and uh, you know they'll they'll still go with Hayden Mullins in uh, game one tomorrow night. Trace Bright will get the start. Auburn just needs to be able to get more than you know three innings or so out of Trace. Would be the first time since 2017 uh, that Auburn has won uh, four of its first six series hmm. in conference play. If Auburn can win two of three this weekend from South Carolina, which would sort of be indicative of fact that yeah this this team is i mean they're they're highly competitive in the league and overachieving relative to what people were thinking they were going to get out of this auburn team in in conference play this year and i don't i don't cover auburn baseball um but you know try to keep an eye it does seem to me as well though that the sec this year has kind of been a a lot more chaotic than people thought with with some really good teams not or severely underperforming tennessee i think I think people thought Tennessee was going to be good. I don't know if they thought they were going to be this good. But Auburn being one of those teams that has taken advantage of the fact that some of the some of the uh, contenders everybody thought uh, was going to be in the conference have, have, have slipped a little bit. Yeah, and, w- and when you've got somebody too who's hitting you know four thirty this late in the season with well coming up on thirty extra base hits uh, you know, with with a lot of conference baseball and and the postseason still yeah. to be played. I mean that's enough to get. We're going to talk with Jeff Graba about how one or two spectacular athletes can draw a lot of attention to the program anyways. I think that if you're a casual observer of Auburn baseball, the season Sonny DeShare is having you know, no. could, could be reason enough I, to pay pretty close attention to this I, team. I think he's one of those guys, and he might be the first. I mean, you guys probably tell about it. He, he's probably the first hitter in a while where he's kind of been that that because for a while it was it oh. was if you were talking about the superstar the guy everybody wants to see it was a pitcher been on the mound yeah for it's, it, it, right. it's been a pitcher and obviously really really elite guys uh, Sonny being uh, this year being the guy 
where you know the the the, the price of admission uh you know you, you want to see this dude rake because like you said Dan he's hitting extremely well for a, in terms of average but he's got a lot of pop in his bat as well I mean it's not just he's not just racking up singles oh, no, no, no. When he hits it, it he hits it it can go a long way the problem has been lately just getting pitches to hit because yeah. you know he needs help you know in front and behind him in the lineup Completely random, but speaking of pitches to hit, did you see what happened in Detroit today with Miguel Cabrera? Well, he got intentionally walked in the eighth inning with two on and, and the Yankees trailing one nothing. I mean, I know the crowd went crazy. Yeah. We're, they're, not, we're not the outrage bunch with these. No, with no, 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 I'm, I'm, not, not, saying, yeah. I'm not saying it's out. It was just hilarious that they immediately oh, yeah. gave up a bloop single yeah. for, well, that's for, right. for two runs. That was just the funny part that's, because it was well, like it is, but I mean, history, the, a lot of build up odds, there. I mean... I'd do this. I would have done the same it's not like, thing. It's not like they intentionally walked him with the bases loaded or anything. No, like no, no, you know. no. So it um, had a free base open. It and made sense. I, it was just immediately hilarious now, to see I mean, the thing is, if, you're a, if you bought a ticket to see Miggy's 3,000th hit, you're pretty ticked there in the eighth inning. Yeah. When, you when, have to go when back he's tomorrow. gone, When he's gone over three and he gets up for one last opportunity because you've got, you know, unless you blow the lead, that's going to be his last time at the plate. I can understand him being frustrated as a fan. I'd be even more frustrated as a Tigers fan if that was his last at bat at home for a while, if they were going on yeah. the road. But they got the Rockies coming in. Oh, yeah. They have the Rockies. He's going to get number 3,000 pretty soon. Yeah. I, I didn't like the decision that Joe Madden and he's a he's a good manager, but I I, I didn't. Oh, Joe, Mad, Joe Madden does some some of the I some of the like, strange has some of the strange walking with decisions. the bases loaded. I didn't love walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded. They were in a tough spot anyway. Like if they pitch to him and he you know he ends the game that way, like it's you know what I mean. Like I, I understand. The um, funniest part about that whole sequence was when they cut to the cut the camera cuts Trout, to Trout yeah. in the outfield and he's counting the guys on the base and yeah. then you could just see him kind of drop his head. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, did did you, did you see the stats? So you you. Uh, even if you didn't, you probably know the answer. You know that Miguel Cabrera, with his next hit, is going to become just the seventh player all time with 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Oh wow! Just six players have done that. How many? How many can you? How many do you think you can come up with? I, I heard this last night, and I missed one. Six, I was I was disappointed. Five hundred home runs. Five hundred home runs. Three thousand hits. Pujols is there already, right? Albert Pujols. That's right. There Hank is Aaron. an active. There is an active player there right now. That's Albert Pujols. Hank Aaron is indeed right. Okay. Bonds. Uh, Bonds no. get to Bonds and get Bonds to three thousand hits. Willie Mays, Willie Mays did. Willie Mays did. Here, here. All right. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you guys. Murray. Eddie Murray. All right. There you go. And that is the answer to one trivia question. There are six players. Eddie Murray's career numbers are crazy, right? They are. I mean, they you, are the, the, but the counting stats. Of, oh, yeah, yeah. of the six players who have done it, and Griffey didn't Cabrera get to 3, will, hits, did Cabrera he? will be number seven. Here's here, this will help you. Only one left-hander. Ooh. Only one switch, and there's one switch hitter. Eddie Murray is a switch hitter. One left-hander has 500 home runs, 3,000 hits, and there are four, about to be five right-handers. You've named. Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols. We've named three of the five right-handers. We've named the switch hitter. We're looking for one more right-hander and the The only left-hander. How far back should we go? Not too terribly far back for the right-hander. And not... You've uh, you've seen both of them play. Okay, interesting. Um, A-Rod. 
A Rod yeah, is indeed. A Rod is the right hander who is the only left hander with 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Ortiz didn't get there, did he? he? Is, how about. No. David Ortiz didn't. No, how about. No, how about he is not in the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez? No, Manny no. was righty. That's right. Not in the Hall, in of, the fame. Hall of Fame. Sosa? And no. Maybe for a reason. Oh. Not in the Hall of Fame, maybe for a reason. Three is it Palmero? Rafael Palmero yeah. okay. is wow. the only left-hander in baseball history. Yep. Full five, circle, SEC. Five hundred home runs. Palmero, yeah, right. Palmero and State. Eddie Murray are the two players where, if you're a very casual baseball fan or maybe a more recent baseball fan, you know you don't hear you, you, for different reasons. You don't hear too much about either of those guys. But you look up their career numbers and they're mind blowing. Oh, like they, what, they, what they they are. What they finished, that's why what they finished with. Yeah. That's why Eddie Murray went for thirty dollars in a draft. Eddie, I mean, absolutely. Eddie Murray went for thirty. Yeah, yeah. Wow. he was he was great. He was great. All right, um, saw Eddie Murphy play. Eddie Murray. Eddie play Murphy. At the, uh, no, I didn't see Eddie Murphy play. Um, at the, you know. I've seen him play in in the uh, All Star celebrity game, celebrity softball game in the Shrek films. No, so the uh, uh, no, I, I saw Eddie Murray uh, even later in his career. You know, as as Dodger. an impact. Well, no, I mean, he was wasn't he playing in the playoffs for the the Indians and the Orioles in the in the nineties. Like, yeah, I mean, he was pretty, with the Dodgers too. I mean, I mean pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty late in his career, and uh, and still, yeah, still an impact bat. Oh, he, he, yeah, he, he was great. Had some serious chops, and you know what? And, I mean, man, he had, you know, he, he had the the mutton chops. And Miguel Cabrera. I mean, I remember the two thousand three. You remember the the lithe, lean shortstop Miguel I'm, Cabrera? I mean, people forget Miguel Cabrera yeah. is Miguel Cabrera has an at bat in the Steve Bartman inning. I mean, that's if Drew were here. I mean, it would, you go back to rookie Miguel Cabrera was on the field mm-hmm. for the 2003 Florida Marlins when they, uh, you know, were one of the. I would say if you think about when the season started, they were as big a long shot to win the World Series to actually do it in the last. 20, 25 years of Major League Who? Baseball, right? The, the 03 Marlins oh, were yeah. about as long a shot to go to win the World that Series. That Royals team? Was that before it was, let's see, that was Levon, wasn't it? Wasn't Dontrell. That no, was, no, that was Dontrell. Okay, that was, was that. Dontrell. Le, Levon's mm-hmm. 97. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're okay. 03's yeah. Um, Beckett. Beckett. Uh, Josh Beckett, Don, uh, Dontrell. Dontrell was Young, young Miggy. I love Dontrell. Uh, you yeah. would have had... Um, Juan, even though they were Juan division Pierre, rival, Earl Pal Juan Pierre would have been Juan in the Pierre was on that team. You know, yeah. South Alabama alum, just like Louis Gonzalez a- was. AJ mm-hmm. Burnett's on the team, but I think he got hurt, so I don't know if yeah, he, he did. I don't, I don't he know did. if he pitched as much as the other. Brad Penny, you know, let, let's name, name, name it some other. Marlins have had some arms through the years, haven't they? Yeah. And they still do. But, and Miguel Cabrera, a rookie on that team, right. still playing, and he's, uh, he's capping off one of the Juan great Encarnacion. Pudge yeah. was the catcher. Pudge Rodriguez, Luis Castillo, Derek Lee, Mike Lowell. Yeah, Pudge's son is a reliever in Major League Baseball right yep. now. I think for the for the Pirates, maybe someone. In he the, was uh, with the Pirates. I'm not. I'm not sure if he's still with them. He's the he's the guy who was on the mound against Kershaw when they gave up the back to back to back home runs. Oh, okay. The, when, when Kershaw in the in the perfect game uh, last week. Uh, so the, he's the was, guy that gave them up. He's the guy that gave up the three home runs. That's a nice. That's a really nice win. He's the guy that was on the mound when they gave up. The that's back, right. He, the back, he, he saw it yeah. happen. That, usually, uh, usually, the guy on the mound is throwing it. So. That uh, that Marlins rotation, <laughs> by the way, Dontrell Willis, Brad Penny, Mark Redmond, Josh Beckett, and Carl Pavano. Yep, with, that's uh, like I said. With Brayton Looper coming out of the pen that's as right. the closer, they've, they've had they've had some pretty good arms. Hey, let this. All right, I'm gonna keep it. We're we're coming up on a break here. All right, so. Yeah, I, I love to listen to baseball mm-hmm. on the radio. The best. I mean, that baseball is the game that was made 
for radio. Finding out on MLB TV, you can you can watch a game and have the radio broadcast oh, yeah. over it is That's the best great. is the best thing for me. All right, but I, so I was listening, but you hear some you hear some interesting things, and sometimes I wonder either how how long these folks have been in the game, or how much bias they have toward their team, and it's hard not to when you're when you're connected. So yesterday. I, I'm, I'm in the car, and I'll, I'll flip over, and, and I can hear the Mets broadcast of the Mets-Giants game last night. And um, they're talking about uh, Joey Bart comes to the plate, and they're talking about the pressure on him replacing Buster Posey, who the Mets announcer said, who... The folks in San Francisco really hold Buster Posey in high regard. And and then went on and said the other guy, the other announcer said, "Yeah, he's probably, you know, probably along the lines of a David Wright." Um hmm. and no, I mean and, and 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 these are the Mets announcers they're saying, "Yes, a lot of folks out west think that Buster Posey could be a Hall of Famer." But, you know, he was uh, in reality, he was a pretty good catcher, and I'm like, "Wow, man, you Buster guys Posey? are pretty. Ru- yeah, you guys are pretty brutal." Buster Posey, Buster Posey, in my mind, will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no question. I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean that that part. Now the the David Wright thing. David Wright was I, really really good until he got hurt. Well, no, but but I can understand how D- David Wright was a fan favorite because he was a yeah. They're saying guy he was the was, face of the I mean, franchise thought, the way David Wright. People thought David Wright was going to be the Mets Derek Jeter, right? right. Like they thought he was yes, going to be did. like yeah. the, the perennial All Star infielder captain of that team as they contend year and year. That's not how the David Wright story ended up playing out. No. But I can see how him know, and Jose Reyes, yeah, on the, the left if, side of that. If you can, which also didn't play out exactly nope. <laughs> the same way. So I'm fine with that. If if um, no, so I can see how the, the Mets would use as a recent comparison of a homegrown guy that became a superstar and that the fans at his peak worshipped. I guess David Wright would be, but even the still, Posey example. finished well. No, Posey's Posey a, had a great yeah. last no, season and a and a. Uh, I I mean, imagine, how many times was he an All Star and a World Champ? I imagine right seven is time All Star, three time World, World Champ, champion, MVP, yeah. Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, five time yeah. Silver Slugger. Yeah, yeah, not to compare the careers the two of them had. And was okay. the second team All All MLB in his final year. Wright's probably going yeah. yeah, probably going to fall off the ballot like the first year. Like he's not. A, I mean, I, I think I mean, David Wright's like not. The, ultimately, the counting stats aren't there to, I, to have a really good I think Hall of Fame. Yeah, if Jones is not making the Hall of Fame, David Wright's not. Well, that's going to be my I think that's the Mets be my announcer's stance. point was he didn't hit enough homers to be a Hall of Famer. Are I there, think that was their point. You know, Jones is kind of the new Tim Raines in that I think that every year he's picking up some momentum and there's yeah. it's it's a case that we've never really seen before, or at least in recent memory, of a guy who was trending towards first ballot Hall of Famer on his 30th birthday and absolutely did not have, did not play like a Hall of no. Famer in his 30s. I always like, wonder, what do you do with uh, someone like well, that? But also a guy okay. that you could say one of the best defenders sure. ever. Yeah, nine, here's, nine here's, here's what I always thought about Andrew. Of, yeah. I always thought Andrew was really 25 when he said he was 18. Because when he was, <laughs> be because when he was, like because when he was 31, he was playing like he was 38. You know? And, it, it's and you never know. Sometimes on those on those, the that, guys from uh, and all that from makes and all that south. makes me appreciate 
He was great. He was Julio great, Franco though, even more. Oh yeah, because there's no telling how old that 60. man was when he was done. He's, he's, he's eligible for Social Security right it, now. It did. I mean, it, well, the other thing with Andrew and, and not to you know because I, I no thoughts on the conspiracy theory about his about his age. Well, but see, like, because that goes. Well, right it's to, the same thing that's happening with Juan Soto. Well, yeah. Well, the same. Well, it was the same story that happened years and years ago. Uh, one of the one of the greats of the Minnesota Twins was Tony Oliva. And yeah. it turned out he was actually Pedro Oliva, and Tony was his younger brother. It, but he was still a great player. There was also didn't Miguel Tejada? Didn't we find out? Didn't we find out pretty deep in Miguel Tejada's career that he was two or three years older? He was two or three years older than than they'd said he was. Because and, you knew. And you the team, I'm just thinking about Danny Amante right now. The team that well, well the, you some him? guys you can't be drafted <laughs> until you're a certain age. Yeah. So they would, you know, fudge their their birth certificates one way or the other. Sometimes to look older, other times to get drafted because they appeared to be too the old. The team that gave Tejada the big contract and then found out he was two or three years older than they thought he was when they gave him a seven-year deal. I want to say it was the Orioles. Yeah, somebody, was. Somebody got caught holding the bag on the Miguel Tejada deal and like could have voided it but decided, eh, let, let's keep him anyway because we're, we're getting a deal even if he's... You know, even even if he's closer to his late thirties than than we thought, but uh, no, that 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 happens sometimes. But I yeah, I just wonder if if Andrew is uh, is someone who, like, I don't know. I could see I could see the momentum continuing to build, and the defensive metrics, like you said, Justin, are also there that this guy oh, yeah. maybe is a um, maybe maybe belongs uh, belongs in. Yeah, just don't get me started too much on Hall of Fame stuff. We'll we, we can go on and on and on about that. We'll get to our final break here of our votes. Uh, no, yeah, come on, uh, stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. It's big game time, and time for you to celebrate like a champion. The starting lineup is at KiaOfAuburn.com. Start with the all-new Kia Sportage. It's here, and you'll be ready for anything. It completes the lineup of stunning SUVs. Plus, we give you more for your trade-in. Score more. Selection, price, trade-in value. You always get it all at KiaOfAuburn.com, where you're always number one. With a blue credit, must finance your Kia Motors Finance. It's 4 Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final couple of minutes of hour number one here on the Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. And, uh, yes, coming up in hour number two, a couple, uh, couple of great opportunities. I mean, we will speak right when we come back with Auburn Gymnastics coach Jeff Graba about the, uh, the Tigers just coming off their best season ever, I know, they they would have loved to you know have it wind up a little better, but I mean to make it all the way to the NCAA champion championship finals, what a uh, fabulous year! And the excitement has never been higher around Auburn gymnastics. And then at uh, five thirty, if we don't have a live opportunity with uh, Sonny Deshera, our own Riley Hubbard, spent some time with him this morning, and we'll uh, we'll run that as the Tigers. Uh, coming off a 14-1 win, Sonny among, uh, I think there were four Auburn players with uh, multiple hits last night, keeping that batting average up, and Auburn getting ready for South Carolina coming in this weekend. 
Yeah, really getting a chance to hear what Sonny had to say in his, uh, his talk with uh, Riley Hubbard. We're going to run that for you in hour number two. And, yeah, just a couple, minutes, a couple minutes away from uh, Jeff Graba. That's right. That, of course, uh, our visit with Sonny to Sheriff. Part of our weekly Tiger Takes brought to you by Auburn University Credit Union. Finance with family. Visit AUCU.org. Yeah, we're coming up on our top of the hour break. Again, Coach Graba will be joining us in uh, just a few minutes. We'd love for you to hang on. I will hang around and uh, see what Coach Graba has to say. And then then got to go... Uh Got to go take care of some business, getting ready for for a crazy next week and a half. So stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. W294AR Auburn, WGCCHD3 Waverly, Auburn Opelika's sports leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Got Brady at the controls here in the WOW Business Studio. That's right. You can get the speed you need with super fast business internet when you switch to WOW. Visit wowforbusiness.com. Hour number two of the drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And, um... We, we will get to your calls shortly on the Kia of Auburn Hotline. But the Kia of Auburn Hotline is also where we welcome in guests when they can't be with us here in the WOW Business Studio. And uh, we will uh, we'll go ahead and get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline, Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And welcome in very special guest um, back from a, a an outstanding performance in the uh, national finals in Fort Worth, and that is the well. Actually, it makes it sound like he was performing. Uh, well, no, I, his his team was performing very well. And we welcome in Auburn gymnastics coach Jeff Graber. Jeff, how you doing today? I'm great, and uh, we wouldn't have been in the finals if I was performing. So. <laughs> I, I was well. You know, it would be really interesting. You ever, ever uh, 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 you, you ever miss those days? Uh, I, I, if I ever, uh, I do, I have missed them, but if, if I ever do something, 
um, that my sore body reminds me of what what I uh, uh, what else I'm missing. So yeah, t- I miss them and and get reminded right away to stop doing that. That's right. A, ten, a tendon will remind you why why it's, why right. it's uh, coaching. Well, it's, it's, coach, it's it's great to uh, it, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, you know, we, we were uh, we, we talked to you before the season started about you know the the amount of excitement, the whirlwind of, uh, of attention around this program going into this season. And it, it's safe to say that the pressure did not get to you and your, uh, and your gymnasts uh, too much because you responded with uh, the greatest season in program history. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and, and we had a young team. Um, we're not young anymore. That's the good thing. We're not, we're not inexperienced anymore, but uh, I'm really proud of how they handled it. You know, the, the it's, it's impossible to get people to understand the spotlight that we were under. And that, you know, honestly, we're still under to, to a certain extent that, um, you know, it's it, just take it as the, we did make the finals and uh, there were three other teams in the finals with us. All of them combined would have roughly 18 national championships mm. among those three teams. And they were all preseason ranked in the top four. And then there's Auburn. That's our sixth appearance in history, our third appearance in the finals in, in the history of our program with no national championships. And we were preseason ranked 14th. So not only did we have everybody watching us to make sure that, you know, they wanted to see what happened with SUNY and that type of stuff, but it's also, we just, we felt like every weekend we had to prove ourselves and reprove ourselves. And you know, everybody's like, well, that was a lucky one. You know, we'll see if they can do it again. And, yeah, th- this young team just kept going. It's just amazing how how great and resilient they they performed all the way throughout the year. No question about it, Coach. I mean the, uh, the the way they handled it, you could not tell. I mean, I think the folks that watching that were watching at least showed more uh, pressure that they felt pressure more than than your <laughs> athletes did. I mean, uh, I, I know you know I had to. Uh, call my wife a couple of times just just watching, but I mean uh, it, it was fantastic just seeing the um, I mean the consistency that you got out of as you said what was a young team they're not they're they're still not old and grizzled by any means but uh, I, I was very impressed with the consistency and and how they would um, seem to want to go out when there was one good performance just build on that and get back to back to back good performances yeah and in the biggest spotlights we were really good and you know it wasn't just like we were good uh when when we were starting out or we were good against uh unranked opponents that type of stuff you know you look at that final four performance and it wasn't our best performance by any means i think we have we made some mistakes but i think they were young mistakes but we're the only team in the final four that did not count a score did not have a score below nine seven five uh, so we were the most consistent team on the floor uh, in the final four. And we, we talked all year as a staff and as, and as, uh, as a team. Uh, there's a saying that, that, that we really lean, lean on a lot is so you, you don't get less afraid. You don't get less nervous. You get more courageous because that's what you can, uh, you can attack. You can go out there and put your anxieties aside and go anyways. And that's what this team did. And, I just feel like they grew up right in front of our eyes. 
Talking with Auburn Gymnastics coach Jeff Graba here on the Thursday edition of The Drive. Coach, uh, SUNY Lee came to uh, Auburn University uh, with uh, with as much acclaim as any athlete this school has ever signed. Uh, when you think about what she's accomplished already in her life, uh, what can you tell us about the freshman season uh, that she just finished up? And, and how, how will you remember SUNY's first year uh, with the program? Uh, it's amazing. Um, I just don't think... Anybody thought it would go that way. Uh, you know, um, all the pundits, everybody else assumed it wouldn't even happen. Um, I, I, I'm amazed at how she adjusted. You know, she, she's right now in the 20th week since she arrived on campus in, in, in December to start up again. So just think how long that was. She was off of gymnastics completely for 20 weeks before she got here. So the, her first two meets were on eight days of practice, four days of practice, five days of practice uh, with 20 weeks off. So it's, it's, to me, it's just amazing she did what she did. Um, but she also had a great support system. I, I, I tell everybody that the, the, the girls around her felt the same pressure that, that, that she felt just in a different way. They felt like they couldn't let her down and that they wanted to protect her and, and uh, continue to rise to the occasion. And, uh, you know, that freshman class that came in with her, they bonded, they're tight. And out of, out of four freshmen that walked on campus, we have three All-Americans. I don't know if we've ever been able to say that before, but, um, you know, obviously SUNY was leading the charge. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted you to talk about the other freshmen. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a player seem to, uh, an athlete, seem to show as much joy in performing that Sophia does. I mean, just the absolute shouts of joy when when she hits is just uh, amazing to watch. <laughs> yes, absolutely true. She's she's really fun to coach. Uh, in the gym, she's not so much like that. You know, she's very serious, very very deliberate, very focused. But boy, she, you put her out in in front of a crowd and in in a, in a pressure situation, and she just turns into this wonderful competitive spirit out there i just it's just amazing to watch and i just love the fact that i got to see that smile like every night it is right. seriously every night she hits all the time yeah that's the that's the thing i i just recall uh it doesn't seem like you know very long ago and i'm not i'm not talking just auburn i've never seen so many athletes consistently stick landings the way the college, the college gymnasts do now. Yeah, it, it, well, we're getting better at, at our code, and every two years we change our rules. So we're changing our rules again this year. Um, but I do think what you saw this year in particular is the fifth-year seniors on all the teams mm -hmm. that came back had a ton of experience. And it helped us. Uh, Drew Watson, Jada Glenn, and Allie Riddle came back and, and gave us one more year. And even if they didn't compete, it was just their experience. It was just the fact that they know how the system works, how, how many times you have to do things in order to get them. Um, I think you saw that across all, all the, the teams. So you're right. It was more consistent this year than it's been in the past. But I think that's jump-started every team. All that experience that we got from those fifth years, it's going to bleed into every class from now on. Coach, one thing that it was uh, impossible to ignore about – 
Auburn gymnastics this year were the crowds uh, that wanted to see you both uh, here in Auburn and when when your program went on the road. Um, what did, what did that mean to, uh, to to you and and the uh, and your athletes to, to see uh, such uh, you know you know such enthusiasm uh, you know everywhere you you turned uh, for uh, for your program this year. It was excitement and anxiety all at the same time. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, we we couldn't go anywhere. We we were in front of a record crowd basically every everywhere we went. Um, uh, we did, I did the math just a few days ago. Our, our girls competed in front of almost one hundred and forty thousand live fans this year. Uh, on a normal year, even if you sell out a couple of your road meets, you're talking about seventy thousand fans, mm. sixty thousand fans. Um, there there were. Two, there were two or three uh, universities that either moved the the venue to a larger venue when we showed up, or they charged ticket prices for the first time, or they increased ticket prices for our particular event. Uh, the national champion, Michigan Wolverines, when we went up there, their average uh, attendance was under 4,000, and it was almost 13,000 when we were there. It, it didn't just beat their average. It destroyed everything close to their average. And our girls had to perform every night to that. We couldn't get to our bus after meets because we had to hire security. This is uh, for our young team to, to accomplish what it did in, to me, they didn't sign up for this. And and look, Suni didn't sign up for this either. She's, she, she was all about coming to, coming to Auburn and being a gymnast, being an Auburn gymnast, not the most famous gymnast in the world. That wasn't what she signed up for either. So uh, I'm just amazed at, at, at what happened. I'm amazed we got through it. But I'm also so excited for our fans because we have such a home field advantage here. Mm-hmm. We are now, and I've heard this across ESPN, across newspapers, we're the number one uh, event for gymnastics across. We're the hardest place to compete. For, for away teams, we have the number one atmosphere in gymnastics in the whole NCAA. I'm hearing that all the time, and and that's that's a tribute to Auburn. And that is music to your ears. That is that is just absolutely fantastic, uh, Jeff. Um, of course, that's that's going to be something that that I don't think you or your team is going to shy away from. That's going to be even more. Uh, the expectations are going to be even higher. Uh, give us give us a quick. Uh, a quick look at the uh, the upcoming uh, your 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 upcoming season and and uh, what you're thinking. Well, we're in the middle of, of individual meetings right now with our team and team meetings, and you know that's our, our team is thinking. Okay, well, great. This year, our goal was we exactly matched our goal. Which now, be careful what your goal is because we our goal was we felt we were good enough to be in the final four, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we did. Um, now, I think we're, we're getting two or three freshmen in, depending on, on which semester we're looking at, but we're going to get a number of freshmen in that are tremendous athletes. And we're really not losing, we, we might be losing a couple of competitive routines. Wow. So, and, and I believe, you know, Suni's going to be more practiced up. She's going to, she, she's actually going to be more on her game. And all our other athletes are now seasoned veterans. So, uh, our, our goal is to beat what we did this year, next year. So we're definitely going to need the fans to show up, but we're not shying away from our expectations. Yeah, folks are going to be, uh, you know, wanting wanting to know when are we going to expand the arena uh, to to get more seats. 
I'm I'm fully willing. We can take the top off and add another <laughs> level. That'd be fine with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do any uh, do any gymnastics programs uh, perform on the football stadium? Do, 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 does anybody uh, has anybody tried do it doing that? We could. Uh, you know, I don't you think anybody's tried doing that, but but you might be bringing something up there. Maybe there's a maybe there's an option there. We'll we see. Weather <laughs> cooperates. You know, maybe the Iron Bowl next yes. year. We we do it at uh, Jordan Air. Hey, that's a, that's a good idea. Hockey can handle it. We can handle it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jeff, uh, we really appreciate you spending a little time with us. Again, congratulations on, on the great season, and, and everybody's so excited about the future. Hey, thanks, guys. For, thanks for always supporting us and following us and, and keeping up to date. It, it's been a great year, and we're looking forward to continuing this next year. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll check in on you during the, uh, during the offseason, all right, Coach? Awesome. That would be great. Thanks, guys. Coach Jeff Graba, Auburn Gymnastics coach, joining us here uh, in the first segment of the uh, hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Really appreciate him spending a little time with us. Yeah, what a what a, a fun fun year season it was. Uh, you know, I think it's e- even uh, with the uh, you know with with you know maybe I think folks who who had hopes of a, a national championship you know maybe were disappointed that that they they fell short in only making the finals. <laughs> only. You know, only they weren't to, they weren't expected to be yeah, anywhere near only, there. Only getting to the they finals. are now. No, they, yeah. this is a this is an unforgettable season for folks who have been watching this for a while. And and yeah, I mean, coaches. Uh, he's been really generous with his time uh, for us. You know, over, over the last couple of years. So it's it's great to uh, uh, to get to uh, to talk to him. And I, I just uh, a weird trivia note. Justin Ferguson could appreciate this. The last published edition of the Plainsman ever mm-hmm. has a story on the front page about Suni Lee's commitment to oh, Auburn. Wow. This is pre. Yeah. This I've is, got multiple copies of that. This is I, pre, I have one in my car right pre, now. I mean, go go back and check pre gold medal, uh, pre Olympics. I mean, the last edition they ever published talks about Suni Lee. And, and like you know, like we were saying with Coach, th- this season did not disappoint for folks that were waiting for a historic year, thought there was there was the possibility of a year like that. Auburn Gymnastics gets to enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, we, we get to enjoy talking with, uh, with Auburn Coach Jeff Graba. And with that, uh, we will get to our first break. And uh, I'm going to head out and... Uh Hopefully everything goes well over the next week, and I'll I'll, I'll see you guys uh, next Thursday. Bill Cameron will be back, but uh, in the in the meantime, Bill, congratulations! Uh, you know, en- enjoy this weekend, you and Absolutely. you and your family, and and we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk to you uh, when you're uh, when you're back. All right, uh, stick around. More to come here on the Thursday Drive. The drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the Thursday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer yes. here in the WOW Business Studio. Brady at the controls as uh, as we uh, continue to uh, uh, to shuffle folks in and out of the lineup here on the uh, on the drive with a, with a lot of a lot of stuff going on uh, this this time of year. But Bill will be back soon. As he uh, as he takes uh, you know gets gets an early start to his uh, his vacation and uh, and some other stuff important stuff going on in the Cameron family. In the meantime, love to hear from you three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Justin Ferguson keeping an eye on all things 
Auburn in the uh, in, in the world of athletics right now. We talked some basketball recruiting in hour number one. Mentioned some possibilities with football too. I'm I'm still I'm really curious to see with football recruiting how the next couple of weeks shake out as far as if anybody if, if Auburn can get anyone to to sign up who can be enrolled for the summer. You know, yeah. which I think wouldn't you know that's that's probably. The next couple of weeks, I, th- I think, is probably the time where yes. you're looking at middle of May. You know, at, at the latest, if if you want them enrolled in, in the in the summer and going through the, the the full program, even if that doesn't happen, folks that Auburn could still be pursuing in the summer as they look to add. I mean, it, it, there seems to be little argument that Auburn's going to try to add some players before yeah. the start of fall practice. It's a question of how many, where, and how impactful can these players be. Yeah, and I think the the top priority, as we said earlier, has to be wide receiver. If you can get somebody who can uh, has some established production somewhere else, bring them in. Um, you know, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, if Auburn's passing game is going to succeed in twenty twenty two, it can't just be the magic bullet from the transfer portal. You're going to need to get that, and you're going to need guys to step up. Guys who you have seen before, guys you probably haven't seen as much yet, all need to kind of take that step forward. And I think the other thing is just edge rusher. You know you've got Derek Hall and Eku Leota, and you like what you've got with Dylan Brooks moving forward. But that can't just be your only three. You need depth. Um, so if you get somebody that can at least provide a BA second stringer, uh, which would be very, very valuable for Auburn. Finding somebody who could who could fit that role would be key. Well, Otherwise, like you're have, talking about moving guys around. You'd like to have eight receivers on scholarship, so that you know if you go four wide, you can have a two deep. You know, you can have a, yeah. a, a backup set at, at all four. You're not going four positions. wide with this team. There's going to be not, a tight end on the field every single snap. You're not going four wide very often. I think it's going to have to be third and twenty something. I don't know. I don't know. Twenty something. I don't know if Auburn ran a play last season that they did not have a tight end on the field. That's interesting. Uh, pretty much every game that I saw and and charted, I think there was at least now they weren't always with their hand in the dirt, but guys like a John Samuel Shanker. I mean, John Samuel Shanker played more snaps than any other skill position player for Auburn last season. Only three offensive linemen played more, played snaps. more snaps than Tank, right? Yep, played which, more snaps is, than Tank. Played which more seems crazy to think. Played but. more snaps than Bo. Played more snaps than you know, um, pretty much anybody. Uh, and then and 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 out snapped. Several offensive linemen that were starters. Um, so, like, yeah, there's going to be something constant there. But you just need you need some depth. You need depth there. But if you could get somebody, you could plug in and say, "Hey, this is an established guy with proven production at the FBS level um, that has done it before." You can you can use that, and then use some of these other pieces you've got around them, whether it's the established guys or um, some some guys that need to just you know. I think for Auburn to to, to succeed, um, guys to live up to their talent. Right, you know, not saying that they're lagging behind or anything like that, but if you could get a Tavares Dawson playing like like the blue chip prospect he was coming out of high school, um, that would be huge for Auburn. If you could get a Xavier Capers playing at that level too, that would be huge as well. Yeah, I mean, so you you were here last week when we were talking with John Samuel Schenker. He you know he called yeah. in in, uh, in in the second hour and mentioned that he's lined up at five different positions, mm-hmm. you know, in in the offense over the uh, over the course of the spring which of course then has you thinking like well you know what what could the what could the five tight end the five guy the five tight end one quarterback five offensive lineman offense you know look like for uh, for Auburn and then we of course wondered well, well which tight end could step in and Luke Deal played some Luke quarterback, played some quarterback back, yep. back in high school so yeah yep. maybe you could get all six of them out there at once but no these are the sorts of things and yes some of it's 
when you talk about how often could you have more than three tight ends on the field, it veers into gimmicky. But or goal line or or short or short yeah. yardage, you know. Very, yes, they very would specific. run four, they would run fourteen in a goal line set. Specific situation kind of deal, but. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think Auburn's going to have to find a way. Yeah, regardless of what happens between now and the, the start of the season at receiver, um, Auburn's going to be trying to find ways to have multiple tight ends on the field, and, and maybe mm-hmm. not even maybe multiple tight ends on the field, but not playing the tight end position. Right, they and that be, happened a lot last. Yeah, season. They, they could they yeah. could be fullbacks. They could be slot uh, receivers. Yeah, they could be slot receivers or X's. I mean, we saw some guys split out wide, uh-huh. and, and the possibility of uh, I mean. I don't know which run, I don't know which tight end you would give the ball to in a short yardage position as a running back or what I, we probably should have asked John Samuel more context probably as as, him you know what 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 cuz yeah. yeah he said he ran some running back uh in the uh, in the spring I imagine that maybe is just a you know pass pro yeah pass pro or a fourth and one you know I I, I don't know John Samuel Shanker handoff is you know that's wild stuff uh but no these Luke Dale fullback that would be fun to watch too these these are the sorts of things that may uh, yeah may, may come into play as Auburn uh looks to uh you know look looks to, to to shake things up offensively and 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 try to uh show that things are moving yeah in the uh in, in, well, in the right direction and it's the thing it's like you are what you are at this point right you know you can say well I wish we had uh, you know established receivers and 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 you know you felt more solid about your quarterback spot and all that but like here's the thing your best player is your running back, and you've got a ton of weapons at tight end. Use that, you know. Make the most of what you've got, and I think, you know, we'll see if it works uh, this year. I think if it does work, one of the factors that plays in Auburn's favor, where they can kind of zig where other people are zagging, is the fact that as college football continues to get more and more based on throwing the ball, spreading things out, guys are getting lighter on the defensive end. If you can be the offense that has a little bit more strength a little bit more power you can kind of exploit that um and you know one it's playing to your to your your strength just playing to your skill set right now but two i think it also could be a way you know Auburn's gonna play quite a few teams this season alabama georgia texas a&m i would also count lsu in that mix as well maybe penn state uh, although you're probably around the same there that are gonna have more talent than you just on paper, that is, they're just more talented rosters. Ole Miss has done very well for themselves. Ole Miss, has done, players, yeah. Ole Miss has done really well as well. I think Auburn's overall talent level is still going to be better. But, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss definitely is a team. I mean, you can lose to less talented teams. If Auburn wants to be that team, if Auburn wants to be that team that knocks off some of these teams this season and and is more consistent against the teams that are equal or lower uh, talent levels than them, and I'm talking in terms of recruiting star power and all that, Um Doing things differently is is kind of the kind of the way it's going to have to work. You're gonna, I think, one of the lessons, and it reminds me of the comparison I made earlier in the week was, you know, when Bruce Pearl got it rolling in Auburn basketball, right. he didn't do it by going into the transfer portal and picking five stars from other schools that were unhappy and convincing them to come to Auburn when Auburn was a bottom quarter of the SEC program. No, nope. he did it by finding guys that the other player, other coaches in the league didn't want, and bringing them to Auburn and having yep. them, you know, come up, come up aces for for him and i wonder if brian and the transfers he did get were guys that were mid-major dudes trying to take a step up i I wonder if brian harson's either either with the players on the roster right now or with some guys in the portal that maybe are diamonds in the rough or players that aren't viewed as surefire sec prospects everywhere i wonder if he's going to have to hit with guys like that and then once you've had some success and you demonstrate like with bruce pearl that it's going in the right direction then nfl prospects want to come play for you because I'm looking around the SEC at some of the other spots and we're talking about Lane Kiffin. Ole Miss 
had very impressive rushing offense this year, and they're sending not just Matt Corral, but Snoop Connor, Jerry and Ely to the NFL draft. They need a running back. They go into the portal and they get Zach Evans, who, if you're unfamiliar, there were only three running backs in the country in 2020 that were ranked ahead of Tank Bigsby by the recruiting services. Zach Evans, the new running back yep. at Ole Miss, is one of those three running backs. And so, I mean, when you when you demonstrate the ability to, and I mean, I guess we've heard it with Alabama. I mean, that's Alabama's recruiting message, right? Is you know we we can get you to the NFL, so right. come play. And for now us. they're doing no, that in the portal. Yeah, no, no matter no matter who else is offering, they're getting you, a guy like Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. They're going to get the Louisville receiver that just that yeah. just popped into the uh, into the into the portal as well. So I mean, they got uh, Henry uh, Toto like yeah. that as well from Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, Eli that, Ricks. That, that it's one of those things. It's one of those things that you have to do, right? You have to establish yourself because that was one of the things about hiring Brian Harson, bringing the staff in there, right? And we've seen it in recruiting, and we've seen it like you have to show what you're made of because it's not like you can just walk in and say, hey, you know. We're we're just like Alabama or Georgia. No, you're not. You have to prove it here first, and this is this is part of the process. Win some games, and that doesn't seem as crazy. Absolutely. But, but, but right now, yeah. And even still, even still, go back to the end of the 2022 recruiting cycle. Auburn still got some guys that were four star guys, guys that you need to win in the SEC. But you're going to have to do it a lot more frequently. But you know, you can't just you can't just make them go. Got an interview with uh, Sonny Deshera. We're, we're going to run in, uh, in in the bottom half of hour number two. Love to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Dan Peck, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. This is the drive. Stick around. Churn up some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390, toll free at 888 382 7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in hour number two of the drive. Dan Peck, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here in the Wow Business Studio. Bill Cameron will be back soon. He uh, is uh, is handling a, a busy week of family events, but he'll uh, and, and and of course checking out the broadcasters convention in Vegas. But we'll have Bill back on the show next week. In the meantime. Uh, what's uh, what's what's got your attention right now in the world of sports, Justin Ferguson? I know you've got the uh, you're watching Auburn uh, football and basketball recruiting, and you're sort yeah. of you know this is this is a bit of a lull where there's not you know there 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 aren't reports from practice or games to cover or anything like that. I mean, it's it's something of an off season. I know you've right. got you've got interests in other sports that you yeah. you, you get to uh, you get to follow right now. You you watching the uh, the Warriors? Uh, mm-hmm. In the uh, in, in the NBA playoffs a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it's been fun seeing them, you know, get kind of get back to kind of old Warriors kind of feel again in the playoffs. It's been a few years since you know they've had this kind of uh, you know moment, I guess. Um, and it kind this team kind of strikes me a lot like the first title team before KD signed. Um, very much a a team that can you know defend at a really really high level that you're basing it around. Um, you know Steph and, and and Clay, but man, Jordan Poole uh, has been phenomenal uh, this season, and that was a guy that I thought was—I mean, honestly, early on in his career, he looked like he was going to end up being a bust of a pick, 
and uh, really, really contributing at a high level. And, and I think the it's Wigan, been a fun. It's the, been a fun series. The Wiggins thing has worked out. You know, oh, yeah, folks, folks thought he was going to be there just for a minute and get traded for you know a package of other assets or something like that. Like I don't, I don't know yeah. if, if yep. folks necessarily thought there was a there was a future where the Golden State Warriors were going to be in win now mode in the playoffs with Wiggins still on the roster. And yeah. yet here yeah. we are. And yeah, I mean they they I, I think they're gonna win tonight and take a, a fairly commanding lead. I know it's Denver, uh road games in Denver can be a little bit perilous, the elevation. And that team is that team's much better at home than they are on the road. But yeah. it's just that Denver team is not very deep outside of uh outside of Jokic and, and the Warriors have kind of the the formula to just make Jokic um not as not as uh, impactful as it usually is. There also there also aren't very many teams in the NBA right now where you can say they're totally healthy and they're playing as well as they've played all season. Yeah, and I think the Warriors are yep. the exception to that. Maybe one of the exceptions mm-hmm. to that one, uh, especially with the injury to Devin Booker. Like you don't say that about Phoenix, Chris Middleton, right now. Chris Middleton, and, and the Bucks. Maybe Boston would be another team you're saying they're playing as well as they played all season right now. And I mean, and are healthy. Yeah, I want I want to yeah. see want to see how that series yeah. uh, shakes out after a couple of games in Brooklyn. You know, I, I don't think that I'm not ready to count out a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, led team. They need Ben Simmons, but, but they need Ben Simmons. They need to play. Yeah, they need to play better because if they lose, they lose game three. Then I'm maybe a little bit more agreeable to counting them out. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I really thought Toronto was going was going to get. Philly last night, um, and you know that's almost a sweep. Man, I mean, it's been obvious for a while uh, this season, but I think it's it's been pretty clear early on in these playoffs. Joel Embiid is is the best player on planet Earth right now. Like he's like the yep. way he is playing that three he hit last night, the winner. And i i get Whew. i get that's why, a big man doing that too. I get why Jokic wins the MVP for the for the statistical. Like I, I sort of understand why the season he's having. Merits it if that, if that's the way it if that's the way it goes. Uh, no, I'm I'm take I'm with you. I'm, I mean Embiid is M- Embiid's playing yep. extraterrestrial uh, basketball right now. And yeah, I mean, and we we were saying earlier in the week, big big numbers for these NBA playoff games. I mean, and oh, yeah. you know, I think for you know maybe maybe it's a bit of an experiment because this is only the second postseason without LeBron in. 15 years mm-hmm. or whatever. So I mean, that, that's something that they were you know waiting to see. You know yeah. how, how it the worked. new guards ready. The new the, when you look at when you look at in the West, you've got like a Luca. Don, I mean, I know Luca's not playing right now, but you got a Luca and a John Morant, and and you know, and Steph, Steph and Clay are back at firing on all the cylinders. That Phoenix team is just nasty. But look, even then, uh, New Orleans coming through and, and and winning that winning that game. I did not. I thought they were going to get swept. I, I thought tomorrow, they were going to get swept off the floor. No, no. Devin Booker makes me think tomorrow night's game in New Orleans is is a is a really interesting one too. Because oh, yeah. that's I mean that that's more it's already more of a series than most people were expecting. Well, and when Booker went down in game two, that was already. I mean, I think I think the Suns were up four at that point, so it wasn't like it was you know well in hand, and then the injury turned everything. Grizzlies Timberwolves is your TNT game uh, to just the early of the two games. And then uh, Warriors Nuggets. Uh, both of those are well. No, the Warriors Nuggets is a two zero series. Uh, Nuggets looking to go. Warriors looking to go up three yep. nothing. Uh, Grizzlies Timberwolves split the games in Memphis, and mm-hmm. uh, Memphis a slight favorite in Minnesota tonight. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't rule out the possibility of Minnesota. I mean, especially at home. But the way Ant's playing right now, yeah. yeah. Anthony Edwards versus John Morant's a really really fun matchup. And this this is a Memphis team that so often we see. When it's the when it's the breakthrough year for a superstar, 
and they go from being a 30-something win team to a 50-something win team. Playoff runs don't always go great nope. that first year because nope. it's a team full of guys that have never been in the postseason together. And, I mean, even if... I mean, even even if it doesn't, because you, you can't really say that about Minnesota either. Minnesota's not right. a group of guys that have ex- playoff experience, but but I can understand why there's some some skepticism of how deep this Memphis team can go. Uh, in in part because compared to some of the teams they're going to run into, yeah. the, you know, they they lack a lot of experience in the playoffs. At the same time, when John Morant heats up, I mean, there's I don't know how many teams feel like they they know they can beat a Memphis team with a with a great John Morant performance in Utah and Dallas. Once again, like Dallas doing what they've done so far without Luca, but also just it's a game plan that like you know it's the thing about this this Utah Jazz team is that you know the only really good defender they have on that team that they that plays regular is Rudy Gobert, and in the playoffs you can get Rudy Gobert out of his game pretty easily because if, if you watch what if you watched what Dallas did in, in Game Two, Jalen Brunson going off and so many guys hitting wide open threes. So when you have an elite defender like um, an elite rim protector like a Rudy Gobert, but all he can do is play drop coverage on pick and rolls, you're leaving guys wide open on the outside. And Dallas has got some shooters. Yeah. Dallas has got some dudes that can that can light it up. And they aren't necessarily household names. If you had a healthier Luka, I, I would I would feel that Dallas maybe could be the team compared to some of the other ones that can make that really competitive run in the West. It just feels oh, yeah. like the, yeah. the Mavericks, Jazz. I mean, whoever wins that series still has a real real tough path to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the NBA Finals compared to even compared to some of the other yeah. teams in the uh, in, in in the West. All right, so we are going to table the NBA playoff talk for just a minute because we've got an interview that our own Riley Hubbard did with Auburn baseball slugger Sonny Deshera. This is part of Tiger Takes, our uh, our friends at Auburn University Credit Union helping provide us uh, with uh, with with a uh, yeah we we get to, we, get to, we get to catch up. With some superstar Auburn athletes, we were able to talk with John Samuel Schenker uh, during football season and last week after A-Day. Talk with Zepp Jasper during basketball season as well. It's all part of Tiger Takes, brought to you by Auburn University Credit Union, Finance with Family. Here is uh, Riley, our own Riley Hubbard, uh, talking earlier today with Auburn first baseman Sonny Deshera. Riley Hubbard here with you. Please be joined this hour by Auburn first baseman Sonny Deshera as we are uh, once a week, typically on Wednesdays, but uh, with the Kennesaw State game being yesterday, went ahead and moved it on to Thursday. Uh, Sonny, appreciate you being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last couple of days, you guys had a very busy week, five games in one week. Uh, Alabama State, obviously, was Tuesday. Guys came up came away with a, uh, a close win, a very exciting win. And then on Wednesday, uh, a win that was not, not quite as stressful, but a very quality win over a quality team in Kennesaw State. Uh, 14-1 uh, was the final in that game. So talk about just from a team standpoint how, how good that is to get those couple of wins um, after the, uh, the series that struggled. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's always good to take some games against teams in midweeks, no matter who you're playing. And uh, coming off a weekend series where we lost two out of three, it definitely helps out the team morale when you come and win in two, come and win the two midweeks during the week, and then you got an SEC weekend on the on the way. Yeah, and you did mention the series that started last week. I do want to mention very quickly. What was your uh, perspective on the throwout at home from Wayo to LaRue. Obviously, the, the team got a lot of exposure from that play. What was your perspective on the play over there from first base? Uh, from, my, from my view, it kind of looked like, you know, it was going to be one of the closest plays of the year. Uh-huh. And, uh, 
Nate put a great tag down on him. We, we, we saw that play in our first weekend in Texas. We were playing Texas Tech, and Bryson threw a guy out at home. It was just kind of a, just the same similar play. And so, I mean, it, it's just it was awesome just to watch that. Yeah, came out with a, a really big throw in a really big situation. And he was uh, fresh into the ball game as well. Yeah, yeah. Bry- Bryson's been big for us when he comes in for defensive replacement, things like that. And so we're always grateful for him. Yeah. Well, um, going back to the, the last couple of wins, you personally had a successful game. A couple, win, a couple hits, a couple walks against Alabama State, and then three hits and a couple RBIs uh, yesterday against Kennesaw State. You know, talk to us a little bit about how you're seeing the ball personally. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, like, I like to say I'm seeing the ball great, but I haven't really felt, you know, my, to my capabilities in the past sure. couple of weeks. And so just still trying to figure out my timing and what I need to get right and what I need to feel better in the box. And, you know, obviously it's always great to get some wins and being able to help with those wins. And so looking forward to another good weekend. Yeah, and spoke about the upcoming weekend. Guys are going to be taking on South Carolina, uh, hosting South Carolina this weekend. Uh, USC currently 19 and 17 overall. They were 6 and 9 in the SEC. But um, as you know, every weekend in the SEC, you have a very difficult opponent. Um, in fact, USC is coming off of a, a pretty successful weekend where they took two out of three from Ole Miss. So talk a little bit about uh, South Carolina and your expectations for this weekend against them. Oh, it's obviously going to be a tough weekend. I mean, they've got series wins against Texas, Vanderbilt, and nice Ole Miss. And so no matter really who you're playing in the SEC, they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, with the conference being so close right now and games, you know, you can't you can't really dwell on one game. you gotta you got to either win one or lose one and just go straight to the next one. And so it's going to be another exciting weekend. Sure. I mean, you mentioned the thing about the Southeastern conferences. Uh, I don't think it's too debatable to say it's the best conference in college baseball. So talk a little bit about, you know, just your experience, this being your first year in the SEC, you know, the difference that you've seen uh, as far as conference opponents, just the, the preparation and the difficulty of uh, playing the SEC. So with the Southern Conference, you know, that was, you know, us and seven, six other teams that you had to worry about. But, you know, in the Southeastern Conference, there's 14 teams in total. So, and just the, uh, the, extrem- the extremity of one game and how huge it is just to be able to win that one game and then just move straight to the next one. Because in the SEC, it seems like everything is going to come down to, you know, somebody being two or three games back, and we need to be that team that's two or three games up. Yeah. And so it's just, it's definitely a difference for conferences. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like you just mentioned, that actually goes into my next point I was going to make is right now the SEC, uh, obviously Auburn, um, in pretty good, pretty good position in the SEC. You guys are eight and seven in conference, um, and you've obviously taken the series at uh, A&M, taken a series at LSU, took a series at home against Vanderbilt. So obviously very successful in conference so far. But uh, if you look at the standings, uh, it's very tight, you know, only one, two games separate, you know, every team from each other. I think that last place and middle of the pack, you know, is really only two or three games apart in the West. So Coach Thompson's talked about this point a little bit, but like what, what's your perspective on just every game being, being so important in conference? Yeah. Um, just, just knowing, and obviously everybody, everybody on the team knows that how close this, these standings are and how, how, you know, nitty gritty each game is. So, just being able to have that thought of, you know, each day you got to come in here and get after it or, you know, one game could ruin your whole season, mm-hmm. you know, so that just having that everybody's got that thought on their mind. And obviously this team from last year, they all have that thought in their mind and they don't want anything like that to happen again. So 
just just knowing how important each game is is just super huge for everybody. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, taking taking one, taking two, taking three. I want, each game is has so much importance when you when it comes down to postseason play and uh, also seeding for the conference tournament. Um, moving on a little bit to back to, to, to this weekend against South Carolina. Uh, your pitching staff, Auburn's pitching staff, has uh, had a pretty good go of it, especially the starters. Uh, what do you have to say about Mullins, Bright, and Gonzalez? It seems like Auburn uh, is pretty confident with those three guys being Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There was a little bit of uh, a little bit of moving guys in and out uh, in the non-conference, but now we've got to conference play. It seems like those are the three guys. Talk about the team's confidence with those guys on the mound. Oh, those guys just set the tone, you know, every time they go out there. And, and I don't think there's anybody else in the locker room that would, you know, argue with anybody that those guys need to be our, our one, two, and three. And so, you know, it's just having the confidence when they go out there and set the tone. And just when they have that first inning, if they're able to, you know, get three up, three down, that just gives us all the confidence in the world just to battle for them and be there for them. And uh, also, the back end of the bullpen is not too bad either. Talk about uh, Blake Bocalter and the, the fact that he's he's coming to some very tight situations. He's also coming to games, you know, fairly early. He can eat up a couple of innings, come in in the seventh uh, at times, oftentimes the eighth inning. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've got a bunch of guys in the back end of the bullpen, but Berkey has just been our closer. And he's every time he's in the game, I don't think anybody on the field has a single worry mm-hmm. in the world. And he's just... He's going to go to war and fight no matter what happens What, what, what happens with us. Yeah, it's got to be nice that the fall is over with, that so you don't face him anymore. He gets to be on your team every time. Yeah, it was never uh, never a good time facing Berkey. <laughs> All right, well, uh, before we let you go, Sonny, any closing thoughts uh, looking in, looking forward to uh, this weekend against South Carolina? No, man, just looking forward to having a packed Plainsman Park and and uh, looking forward to some, some three really good games against a really good team. Absolutely. Well, that's Auburn first baseman Sonny DeShera on Tiger Takes, presented by Auburn University Credit Union. Sonny, thank you so much for your time, and uh, War Eagle, good luck this weekend. Sir, thank you for having me on, War Eagle. War Eagle, and as Sonny mentioned, that series will be this weekend at Plainsman Park. The Friday game will be at 6 p.m., Saturday game will be at 2 p.m., and the getaway day Sunday will be at 1 p.m. When we come back, we'll go back in studio with Bill and Dan. You are listening to The Drive here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Oak Sports Leader. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the Thursday edition of The Drive. Bill Cameron enjoying an early start to his vacation, but he will be back soon. Dan Peck, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer in the WOW Business Studio. Brady at the controls doing a great job as he has all day long. want to thank Riley Hubbard uh, for providing us with uh, with a chance to talk with Auburn first baseman Sonny DeShera. That was part of Tiger Takes. Brought to you by Auburn University Credit Union. Tiger Takes proudly presented by our friends at 
the credit union finance with family. Visit myaucu.org to learn more. If you missed any of that, you can, of course, check out the podcast of The Drive. We also uh, spent a little time earlier in the hour talking with Auburn gymnastics coach Jeff Graba. So a star-studded Thursday, and not just because... Justin Ferguson is here as he usually is uh, on a uh, on, on Thursdays, yeah. following everything going on in the world of Auburn athletics and watching some other sports as well. You uh, you paying much attention to your uh, beloved Braves? Yeah, actually going to Atlanta tomorrow for a game. Oh, yeah, the Fisher in town, right? Yeah, hopefully it'll be a little better since it's the Marlins, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Nina Cunha back badly. You got any? You got Bad. any Marlins? Uh, you got any Marlins hitters? Uh, Sanchez. Okay, there you go. Yeah, who is who's off to a pretty good start. It's fun. It's fun to it's fun to see a guy you have in, yeah. in, this, league, in this league in person. But uh, yeah. so no, I, I think the Marlins are. I mean, that's a on any given day, any one of the Marlins starters can go out and pitch yep. really, really well yep. and and make it difficult on your hitters. The offense is still probably firmly in the bottom third of the National League. They got their as, ace going tonight. Uh, I mean, Pablo Lopez is going tonight, so I'll, I'll be interested to see who who they have. Against the, the, the lineup in general isn't isn't very potent um, compared to some of the best teams in the National League. But there are a couple hitters that can uh, that, yeah. they can pop up, and I think Garrett if, uh, Cooper being one of them. I'm I'm interested to see some of the Braves that have had slow starts to the season. Yeah, Rosario, Swanson, Charlie Morton. I think yeah. would be guys where you know the next month or so. Is it was good. To, it was good to see. It was good to see Max bounce back and have such yeah. an excellent game against Le- the Dodgers. I was less concerned about Max Fried. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even 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 the second start for Max Fried was was still pretty good. If he took a hard luck loss because because the bats were were quiet. Right. But I I you know I figured it was going to be something very odd. You yeah. know, and, and maybe even something health related for for Max Fried. But someone like Rosario, I mean, he's he's thirty, but it feels early for him to 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 lose the, you know the, I mean right like it, it's still yeah. It would it would be awesome. Well, he for him was to so good. Off, he was so happen. good at last year, and like it was always the talk of like which one of the which one of the outfielders do you bring back? I know a lot of people wanted to see Solaire, but with Solaire and and Azuna coming back, it seemed like that would be just kind of really stacking it. And Rosario made the most sense. It's just he's gotten off to such a terrible start. And Swanson is either for, striking out or grounding into a double play for, for a guy who's uh, in a contract year. I mean, this is not the start you want, you know, to uh, to, to make the uh, to, to make the big pitch for a and and there's money to be made as a as a, a hitting shortstop. In, oh, yeah. in baseball right now, you look around. Yeah. You look around at some of the deals that Corey Seager and Trevor Story and uh, and I mean Trey Turner's going to Trey Turner's going to be very handsomely yeah. Uh, yeah. compensated in, in a couple of months. Uh, no, Dan, Dansby needs to, uh, for his own sake, pull it around. But also, yeah, the Braves, you know, can't can't have that in the uh, in, in the lineup without some improvement. And, and I'm wor- worried about Charlie Morton too. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens there. Justin, tell everyone about the Observer one more time. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year gets you a subscription. We have newsletters, podcast on Auburn football, men's basketball, most every morning. Check it out. And allow me to be the first to say, dads and grads, excellent present for folks in the next couple of months yeah. on Auburn Observer subscription for the Auburn fan in your life. We're going to be back tomorrow. I have a sneaking suspicion we might run some interviews from earlier in the week because it's just me and who knows who else is going to be here. (laughs) Brady's in the house. Love it. We'll do the drive tomorrow. Until then, have a good night. W294AR Auburn. WGCCHD3 Waverly. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. ESPN 1067. A broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. This is SportsCenter. 
I'm Doug Brown. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports Luka Doncic is out again tonight for the Mavericks with his left calf strain. The series with the Jazz is tied at a game apiece. On other ESPN radio outlets, coverage now underway. Game three for the Grizzlies and Timberwolves in Minneapolis. That series tied at one. Later tonight, the Warriors take a 2-0 series lead into game three against the Nuggets. Chris Middleton of the Bucks will miss at least the rest of the team's first-round series against the Bulls. He has a left knee sprain. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Head coach Jay Wright is leaving Villanova, but could he end up in the NBA? ESPN's Seth Greenberg says no. I think it becomes harder to maintain a culture in the age of NIL and the transfer portal. That's just a fact. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. It's just a fact. What more does he have to accomplish? Olympic gold medal, two national championships, four final fours, Hall of Famer. He's exhausted. Seth Greenberg on Greeny. Red Sox manager Alex Cora tests positive for COVID-19. He'll miss the weekend series in Tampa against the Rays. Bench coach Will Venable will take over. The Blue Jays beat the Red Sox today 3-2, taking three out of four at Fenway Park. The A's beat the Orioles 6-4. Sean Murphy with a two-run homer. He drives in three. The Twins beat the Royals 1-0 on a Miguel Sano sack fly in the second inning. The Guardians beat the White Sox 6-3. The Mets take three out of four from the Giants, winning today 6-2 in New York. Hey, it's Greeny and the NBA playoff action Wednesday night is outstanding. Highlighted by the Nets and the Celtics. We'll have complete coverage for you Thursday. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Podcast with one of the hosts hears three, four, and thinks that's dinner time. That's Lenny, whose dinner time was actually 6 p.m. originally, and he has successfully manipulated me into moving it down to four, occasionally 3:45. As promised, we are joined for the second half of this episode by ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed, first-time guest, along with Brandon Thorne, who was on earlier. Jordan, welcome to the show. So happy to be here, Mina. I've been a big fan of yours for a very, very long time, so it means a lot. Thank you. Well, I, I feel like I should warn you at the top of the show, the show, pardon me, I made a joke about um, how Lenny, my dog, co-host, agitates for his dinner starting around 3 p.m., even though 4 p.m. is his dinner time. So we are coming close on 3 p.m. So at 